This morning we're uh, going to continue on in this series we've been talking through on, on uh, we call it With, uh, and, and we've been looking at the, uh, basing it out of the book With, that's how we got the name, we're pretty clever, uh, but, but this book by Sky Jathani where, where he's looking at how do we relate to God, um, how do we view God, and, and we started off looking at this idea of what does it mean to be, uh, that, we, that we view this idea of under God. And it's this idea that people see God as this uh, kind of uncaring, impulsive deity who we've got to appease. And we've got to do stuff for uh, because he's kind of uh, aloof, and, uh, but at the same time has his thumb ready to squash us if we screw up. And so it's this fearful God. A lot of people just uh, have run away from God because they, they see him as this uncaring and God's failed me or he's just, he, he's ruined things. So it, it's... It's the wrong way of viewing God. And then we looked at the opposite of that, which is this idea of over God, that, w- that we don't need God. We, we've got things figured out on ourselves. And, and in essence, what we're saying without really saying is that we're God. I don't need God. I can do things on my own. We have modern technology. We have science. We don't need a God. We can do it on our own. We've got enough, if we can just muster enough goodwill and get people working together, we can fix the world's problems. But what we fail to realize is uh, the sin within us that's destroying our lives and the world around us. Then we looked at from God. Uh, and, and from God is, is a, a viewpoint that, that's kind of shared uh, across the world, but a lot uh, in the church throughout America, where we view God as, as like a vending machine or some kind of genie, where when, when I need something, I go to God and He'll take care of it. And I can go on my own way until I need something and I'll go to God and, and get what I need. And then that brings us today where we're looking at for God. And after looking at these other three viewpoints, we finally come to the, the one that's the best. Except it isn't. Uh, but it looks like it. Uh, it's one that, that, that oftentimes we celebrate uh, as, as Christians, because it feels right. And so uh, we read Bible stories about people living life for God. We sing songs about it. We read biographies about it. It, it, it feels right and it looks great. But it's missing a, a very key thing that makes it all wrong. So we're going to dig into that topic this morning. Before we go any, any further, I need to be completely honest with you um, and tell you that this is, this is my story. Um, because of all the ways of, of viewing God and relating to God, this is the one that, that, that kind of I grew up in. Uh, and it's not my parents' fault. My parents are awesome people who love Jesus and taught all of us kids about Jesus. But uh, it was one of those things where they taught me one thing, but I learned something different. Um, you know, it, that happens oftentimes where we kind of fig- we, we think we figure things out on our own. Uh, and, and, I, and I did that with this. And so this is kind of, I guess you could say, this is kind of my default setting. Uh, and I often find myself falling back into this idea of, of living a life for God. And so as we dig into God's Word and, and see what He has to say for us this morning, I, I can't help but, but telling my own story as a part of this. And so uh, this is going to get personal, uh, at least for me. Uh, and so I'm excited about looking into this. And so as we get ready to, to dive in together, let's just pray. I uh, ask God to teach us this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word and for the opportunity we have to gather together this morning and to hear from you. 
And Jesus, we do pray that, that You would teach us this morning. And that all the, the, the busyness of this morning already and just the worries of this week, that, that, that You would uh, allow us to put those on hold and to focus on what You have for us this morning. That our hearts and our minds would be ready to, uh, to learn from You this morning. And that we wouldn't just learn new things, but that You would change us as You show us more of who You are. We ask this in Your name. Amen. Alright, so life for God. The problem with a life for God is that it places the focus on the wrong thing. And just as easy it is for me to look at the life uh, from God and be able to point my finger and say, look, it's all about what I get from God, and that's wrong. Life for God is just the same. It's all about what I do. The focus is all on me. It becomes about the mission. What I do for God becomes the focus, and it becomes the focus in such a way that it becomes more important than God. See, doing great things for God that matter uh, become, quickly become an idol and the thing that we place all our value in. You see, growing up, I, I heard lots of stories and I admired people who live their lives for God. I read stories about people like George Mueller and David Livingston, David Wilkerson, people who, who took the gospel into uh, to foreign lands and, and brought the gospel into the heart of Africa and China, or who cared for orphans, or, or who went into the gangs of New York and brought the hope of the gospel and just risked all for God. And I just admired those stories. I loved hearing those stories and would get excited about those things. And while, again, this isn't what my parents taught me, but what I figured out, and the reason is because this is uh, the way it worked for me. Maybe you can relate. The people who gave me things, it was a lot easier to love those people. The people who did things for me or were nice to me or cared for me, it was very easy for me to love those people back. And so if that's the way it worked for me, then clearly that's how God functions. And so if God is going to love the people who do things for Him or, or, or serve Him, well then I want to be one of those people because I want God to love me like that. And so after I figured that out, I did it. And I worked hard at it. I worked hard for God and I tried to be my best. I tried to be the best that I could for Him. But see, quickly my focus switched and became all about the task. It all became about the mission the mission's what mattered. What I did mattered. And it quickly switched and became, take notice of me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at how I'm living a life for God. Life worth noticing. Pay attention to me. And so the focus quickly switched to me. And see, I couldn't see a thing wrong with it. Because I had read all those stories about great people who had done great things for God. And I, I'd look at those examples. I'd look at all the examples in the Bible. I could read throughout all the Scripture. I could just take the Cliff Notes version in Hebrews 11, the quick list of all the great people. Um, and so I'd read stories about people like Moses, Moses and Joseph. Don't put those two words together. It's hard. All right, David, Joshua, Stephen, Peter, John the Baptist, Daniel, Gideon. like All these great heroes who did amazing things for God. 
And I would look at them all and be amazed and be like, I want to do that. I want to live a life for God. I want to be great like that. I want people to remember me and to read stories about me. And then the king of them all in my mind was Paul. Paul, again, in my mind, here's the guy who single-handedly took uh, the church from being a scattering of people throughout Israel and brought it to the whole world. Paul, the greatest missionary in history who did amazing things for God and he'd risk life and limb for God. And so I'd read stories about him and and, uh, to show you, I'm, I'm going to read a, a little piece from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to read it, uh, the, these verses, kind of the way I grew up reading them. Because um, you know how like, kids have selective hearing? Well, really, everybody does. We just blame it on kids. All right, and this is what I did as, as a kid. I would, uh, growing up, I would read this story, but I would just kind of leave parts out. And, and, it, and it quickly, I started to hear the things I wanted to hear. And so starting in verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11, uh, Paul writes this, he said, But I have served him far more. I have worked harder. I have been put in prison more often. I have been whipped times without number. I have faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Put it simply, Paul lived an amazing life for God, did crazy things for God, and he quickly became my role model. And see, here's the danger of the life for God. Is it takes a really good thing. Being on a mission for God and and serving God, and it makes it the thing. And one, again, one of the things I missed growing up is, is where, where Jesus clearly pointed out this danger when, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. And as he's talking to the crowd, he, he says that there's going to be a lot of people who at that final day are going to come before God and say, look at what I did for you. Look at all the great things I did. Look how I served you and, and did amazing things for you. And Jesus says that God's going to say to him, apart from me, I never knew you. And that's a scary thought because growing up, as I, I, I did so many things to try to do things for God. And I, was, I was pretty confident I was going to have this great resume. Right? I did all these things for God. I did all these things for you. And yet this, this fear that I could stand before God, he says, apart from me, I never knew you. To your point, it's not what we do for God. The focus always has to be on God Himself. See, I miss something, and a lot of people miss it as well. Paul and all the other heroes of the Bible, 
weren't living a life for God in order to gain value or gain their identity or worth before God. And yet that's what I saw. And really, this is, this is what the four God mentality all comes about. It's all about my identity and my worth and my standing before God. That's what it boils down to. In one way, shape, or form, everything that we do for God is, is if that's our motivation, it's all about my identity and, and, and having God love me. I find myself asking that question, can I do something big enough, good enough, great enough that, that God will love me? That He will find value in me. Right? It's, again, it's that resume that, that, that I want to build up. It's, it's the idea that I'm going to try to, to beat the curve. So everything becomes this comparison. I can scan this room and try, well, am I, am I, am I, am I good enough? Have I done enough good stuff? I want to be able to you know, someday stand before God and pull out my resume. Look, I mowed my neighbor's lawn. It's a hill. I did it. I, go, I was nice. I was good enough. Like, it, and it all becomes this comparison. Well, I know at least a few people who uh, are, are really bad, so I'm better than them. And I know I'm not going to be perfect, but can I at least be okay? And it becomes this constant effort to earn my value, earn my worth before God. See, Paul and all the other heroes of the Bible, their identity and value were set because of who God is. All of the things that they did for God were not in an attempt to earn their identity. They knew who they were. They knew whose they were. And again, that's the thing that I missed. Uh, and so growing up, uh, I, I, I read that one of the, the, the books of the Bible that I love, I still love, is the book of Philippians. We're going to spend a little time on it. I encourage you just to, to join me in uh, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, which if you pull one of the chair Bibles, that's uh, page 900 on your chair Bible. Uh, but, but this passage, I, I love the book of Philippians, partly uh, because it's a really short book. <laughs> and I could say, I've finished a book. Um, but there's a, a lot of cool things. Part of it is because it was written by Paul. And again, Paul was my role model. He was my hero. I wanted to learn from Paul because I wanted to figure out how he did things. How could I be like Paul? And this passage in Philippians 3, uh, I, I've, I've come to, to really love because... It's a lot about me. I see myself in this passage, and so and I know a bunch of the young adults are, are here, and, and they probably are groaning because I've talked about this a million times. And I, I I love this passage, um, so you guys have to bear with me again. Uh, but in in this passage, I'm going to kind of read through it, starting in uh, verse three, the second half of verse three. Um, and I'm going to kind of pause in the middle because I want to to explain how the things I'm missing in that selective hearing part. Right, but Paul writes this. He says, We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. So I just missed that part growing up. That's out of this. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. 
And so growing up, I saw that. I saw Paul's resume. His, his, here's, here's what I've got. Here's my credentials. And you couldn't argue with Paul's credentials. And so I figured out how to, to, to come up with you know, the modern day version of those credentials. Right? I was born into a family that went to church. We went all the time, multiple times a week. Now, we were there. Now, I was always in Sunday school, and if there's ever any sort of homework type thing with Sunday school, I did it. If there were verses to be memorized, I memorized them. I made sure people knew that I had memorized them. Right? And I've got, I've got five siblings, and we were also homeschooled, so that means there's memorized stuff at home too. And so I just quickly, I, I had the credentials. Right? I'm, I'm born into the right family. We did the right things. We studied this book. I knew lots of it, even though I ignored parts of it, right? And, and, and I, I started to gain a prize. I'm building those credentials. But then I had to go further than that. And so with my five siblings, I had to be the best one, right? And so when it came to homework, I had to be the best student. And I worked hard at it. Although sometimes I had to cheat in order to maintain this this perfect status, right? And, and I try to be the best kid and try to help my parents the most and do the most chores and those kind of things, even if that meant sometimes lying to my parents and blaming stuff on my siblings in order to maintain my perfect status. Right? And I worked hard at it. And I found out, and it was working, right? Because people noticed me. People at church, you know, my, my halo was polished and glowing, Right? And so I found value in all that, and, and it felt right because I, I knew other people were taking notes of me. Obviously, God saw me and was like, wow. And that, that, that's, what, that's what drove me, and that, that, that became this life for God. It was all about the mission. It was all about how much I did, how good I could look. But see, then, so I, so I, I, I accomplished to, to be like Paul, but again, I had stopped reading. And right after listing his credentials, in verse 7, Paul says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. And become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see, all that, that resume of righteousness, that, the, that list of credentials that I had built up, are worthless. Because I could never be good enough. I could never do enough. There is no curve to beat. The standard's perfection. And I clearly didn't meet that. It's all about knowing Christ. It's the most important thing. 
So it really it comes back to uh, the 101 things. Right? And, uh, in, in Ephesians 2, another of these letters from the Apostle Paul. And Ephesians 2 is one of those passages that, that you should get to know. Uh, read it. And read it again. And read it again. And it's one of those that we should always come back to. Because in Ephesians 2, Paul just clearly lays out in the first ten verses, here's what the gospel is. You were dead in your sin. And when things are dead, they're dead. Right? Dead things don't do anything. Right? You can poke a dead thing and it doesn't do anything because it's dead. And that's what dead is, right? And that's what we were. And so no matter what we try to do, we're dead. That, we can't change that. But it says that, but, but God made us alive. Again, not because of what we, not because we were the best looking dead thing there was. All right? But God made us alive because of who He is. Because He loved us in spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion against Him. And so He made us alive for His own glory. And that's why Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says that it's by faith that we're saved. It's that we trust solely in Jesus and what He's done. So there's nothing that we can boast about, nothing we can brag about, no resume that we can show off because we didn't do a thing. It's all about what Christ did. See, I, I did nothing to earn my status as a child of the King. And yet, I, I now try to live my life as if it all depends on me. And I've got to try to maintain that somehow. So I want to spend a little time looking at this. How do we rectify this idea that, uh, that for God misses the point? Because it puts all this emphasis on what we do. And yet at the same time, we see that God has clearly called us to live out a mission and to live life for Him. So how do we, how do we mash those things together? And I think it, it comes simply down to, uh, the, 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 to our motivation. And see, the wrong way is, is what I almost perfected. Right? And it's that I'm on a mission to earn my identity and my standing before God. So I'm going to do everything I can so that God will recognize me, will see me, and value me. The right motivation is that God gives me my identity and my value, and I understand that as I spend time with God. See, because the cool thing happens is I spend time with God, I'm compelled to do something. Right? When I get a, just a glimpse of, of who God is, as I get to know Him more, I begin to see this world the way that He sees it. I see the brokenness and the hurts and the despair, the poverty, the injustice, all the things that are wrong in this world, the things that break God's heart, and they, they begin to break my heart. I begin to see things the way He sees them. And so as we spend time with God... Uh, and as we get to know Him and love Him, then, then thing, everything changes. And it starts to change in the way we act. So we, as we do things for God, it's not because I want to gain His value and His love. It's because of His love and His value that I do things. And so it seems like such a minor thing, and yet it's huge. But I want to clear something up because 
I, I think a lot of people are hurt by this, is that, that we're not all called to be like Paul. And I think oftentimes we, we hear stories about Paul or these great heroes of the faith, and then we start to beat ourselves up because we're not like them. And I think something that, that we often overlook is, is the story of Paul. We, we often focus on all the things that he did. We read through Acts and we read through um, all the letters he's written. And you know, we read through things like that passage of Second Corinthians where he just talks about the crazy things that happened to him as he was on a mission for God and for the gospel. Uh, and, and we forget that Paul didn't go from being some quiet Bible student to then being some crazy, risk-all, zealous missionary for the gospel. And so if you want to sometimes look through Acts uh, chapter 7, 8, 9, you see the, the, the crazy transformation that happened as Paul, who used to be called Saul, meets Jesus and becomes Paul. But see, Saul started out, as we read his credentials uh, in uh, Philippians 3, he was, he, he was a zealous student the gospel. He was a Pharisee. They, Pharisees did it all. They obeyed. They, they, they set up extra rules to make sure they never got close to the rule that they could possibly break. All right, so if God's Word says this, then they set up like three more steps just so they never would even get close to screwing up. All right? And Paul did it. Okay? And not only that, not only was he, uh, did he know the, God, the, the Scripture inside and out, and not only did he follow it, but then he went above that and he personally sought out to, to, to stop something that he saw was against what he thought was what God wanted. And so he saw uh, Jesus and he sees this, this church developing. He realizes this needs to stop. And so he went after it. And so in Acts 7, when he, we see Stephen, who's the first martyr, killed because of his faith, Paul's standing right there, holding everybody's coats, cheering them on. And then shortly after that, Paul, or Saul goes out and he, he gets permission to go out and he leads the charge against getting all these Christians persecuted, thrown into jail, killed. He's trying to snuff it out and he's doing it all based on what we can see from who Paul was. He was probably doing it all just to say, look what I'm doing for God. Look how hard I'm working. Look what I've accomplished for you. But then on the way to Damascus, Saul met Jesus. And everything changed. But it didn't. Because, yes, everything changed because Paul's motivation was now, as he wrote in Philippians 3, for the sake of knowing Christ. That he wants to be with Christ. And he's willing to do anything to be with Christ. But Paul went from being this zealous, risk-all person for the sake of getting God to like me, to being this zealous, risk-all person for the sake of knowing God. Paul's personality didn't change. He still, after meeting Jesus, he still ended up causing riots and he got beat and whipped and lashed. And he, he, but he pressed on because of this idea of knowing Christ. And so we have to understand that God's made us differently. He didn't make us all like Paul. But see, as Paul spent time with God, it refined him. So he's still the crazy risk taker that God made him to be and then God used it for his glory and for his purpose. And so as he's created each of us according to his own perfect design for his perfect plan and our job is to spend time with him and allow him to refine us. See, we often hear challenges like uh, the phrase live the dash or live a life worth 
living or make a difference or all these things. And, and those are great as long as we're living who we're called to be. And not trying to hold ourselves up to something that we could never be or weren't made to be. See, because as we spend time with God and allow Him to refine us, uh, things will change. They may not be some crazy, drastic change, although that happens and it's cool when it happens. But everything changes when our motivation is to know God and when our desire is to spend time with Him because as we get a chance to be with Him, He changes us. So the thing in the end, the only thing that ever really matters is the thing that we could never affect in the first place. And that's our identity as children of the King. And that's something that we could never work hard enough for. We could never be good enough. We could never do enough things where we could never have a great enough legacy to earn that. That identity we did nothing for. It was given to us based on what Jesus did on the cross. That while we were dead in our sins, while we were enemies of God, He came and He rescued us. And made us alive with Him and gave us this identity as His children. You see, God didn't uh, plan and carry out the greatest rescue mission in all of human history just so that we could go and do things for Him. God planned and carried out the greatest rescue mission in all of human history so that we could be with Him for eternity. And that's the thing that just... It, it doesn't make sense in my brain. Right? Because I'm not God. I don't understand God. That Why would you do that? We're so undeserving of yet that, and yet that's what God's desire is to be with us. For us to spend eternity with Him. That has to be our focus. Not what we do for Him, but that we spend time with Him. Let me pray as we close this morning. Father, we, uh, we stand in awe of You. Because uh, this doesn't make sense to us. This kind of love. It's so contrary to who we are in the way we do things. And yet, uh, it's so clear that You loved us and You have rescued us. And You desire for us to be with You. Jesus, help us to have that desire to know You. That we would pursue You with everything that we are. We, would, we wouldn't uh, rely on ourselves and what we can do for You, but it's all about what You have done for us and Your amazing love for us. Jesus, let us never forget that. And let us constantly stand in awe of You. Amen.